episode 805. You may have heard by now the Green Bay Packers rookie class is athletic. Just how athletic is it? We'll ask Kent Lee Platt, creator of RelativeAthleticScores.com. It's all coming up on Railbird Central next. Good morning, Green Bay Packers fans, and welcome to Railbird Central at Cheesehead TV, the longest tenured Packers podcast on the internet. I'm your host, Brian Caravu, and today we're talking about the Green Bay Packers rookie class. To do that, we have a, je- a guest joining us on the phone. Baltar, find me another expert, one that likes me this time, okay? We're joined by Kent Lee Platt, creator of RelativeAthleticScores.com. Kent, how are you this morning? Great. Good to to be here. Yes, glad to be talking to you. We're glad you could join us on the show and talk about the Green Bay Packers rookie class. But before we get into a discussion of the Packers players, just to start things off, could you give us a little bit of background information on Relative Athletic Scores, its origin, and what is its purpose? Sure. I created the system back in 2012, and I've been developing it since then. I've completely revamped it after the 2014 season, um, and it's been pretty static since then. It, it basically puts player measurements on a 0 to 10 scale compared to their position groups, so you get the context of how good a player measured, say, in their 40 or their vert or their broad. You get the context of how good that score was compared to their position group immediately. Um, all of that gets compiled into an average, and the average is also put on a 0 to 10 scale, so you can get a good view of how a player measured athletically relative to their position group. And, of course, all our listeners can go to your website, RelativeAthleticScores.com, to read up on these Packers rookies. And, and Kent, let's start here logically with the Packers' first draft choice, Kevin King. How remarkable is his athletic testing, and more importantly, how likely is it to translate to the football field? Kevin King measured seventh out of eight hundred over over eight hundred and fifty cornerbacks since nineteen ninety nine. So top ten out of eight hundred and fifty is, is pretty pretty remarkable. Um, as far as how well it translates on the football field, I've I've done some comparative measurements to show how RAS correlates to success um, using Pro Bowls and other statistics. And and more than half of the Pro Bowlers uh, at cor- the cornerback position since nineteen ninety nine have had an eight or higher RAS score. Um, and something like 75% or more had an over five. So he's sitting over nine point. He's at 9.93, I think now. Uh, so he's he's sitting in a really good good spot. He has a score that's higher than say Patrick Peterson. Um, it, it probably would have been the best in any other draft class. We just happened to have an extremely athletic cornerback draft class this <laughs> year with uh, Fabian Moreau and Marshawn Lattimore getting higher. Uh, but the top seven out of over 850 guys is really remarkable. Yeah, that's a really good score. Um, sticking with the defensive backfield, Josh Jones, the second-round draft choice of the Green Bay Packers, tested pretty well among safeties, but it was big news in Green Bay this past weekend at the team's rookie minicamp that he was practicing with the linebackers. So, Kent, w- would we assume he'd test even better when compared to linebackers? He didn't test better, but he's still in that elite range. Josh Jones is an elite athlete at safety. Uh, he's an elite athlete if you put him at linebacker. He's obviously more undersized at linebacker than he would be at safety. 
Uh, the NFL is a copycat league, so the past few years we've seen a lot of super athletic, larger safeties get pushed inside the linebacker, and teams are using them in different fronts. Uh, and the Packers are, are doing the same thing with one of the better athletes in this draft class. I'm excited to see how that works out. The Packers' third-round draft choice, defensive lineman Montravius Adams might not have as impressive numbers as the team's first two picks, but his 40-yard dash and splits are quite good for a man weighing over 300 pounds. So I guess my question is, should that indicate anything for a position where speed isn't quite as important? Yeah, and quite good is probably understating it a bit. Most of the players that, that play defensive tackle that run a 4.86, 4.87 range like, like Adams did are, are generally your undersized tweener types, your 280, 275-pound defensive tackles that kick outside or maybe play in a 3.4. So having a guy that's over 300 pounds that, that runs in that range is, is pretty insane. Uh, the 40-yard dash is, is kind of miscast as only a measurement of speed. Uh, it's it's a measurement of speed, truly, but it also is a measurement of acceleration and the ability to maintain that speed over a good distance. But even though you're never going to see the guy run 40 yards, knowing that he can run at a good speed and accelerate and maintain that speed over time is a really good sign for a player that's expected to burst into the backfield and chase after quarterback. And running backs, for that matter, as well. I hope we see that as a Green Bay Packer. Okay, we've talked a lot about defense players. Let's switch a little bit to offense here, Kent. Running back Jamal Williams seems to be the least impressive draft pick of the Packers in terms of his relative athletic score uh, that you've graded him. So so give Packers fans some hope here. How, how many players have poor RAS scores, or RAS scores, I think you call them, and go on to good NFL careers? Yeah, there's plenty of, plenty of them. You know, the, I always talk about the percentages and the probability uh, you usually want a player with a higher score at any position. Running back is no exception. You usually want a guy with a higher score. Uh, but that's not to say that somebody can't be successful. Both of the starting runner, running backs in the Super Bowl this year had poor RAS scores. Devontae Freeman and LeGarrette Blunt both had poor scores. So it's not going to prevent a player from becoming good. Uh, the likelihood isn't as great. Uh, you're, you're still talking about a position that has a significant percentage of its pro bowlers and 1,000-yard rushers. Um, I'm hoping to post my running back study sometime this week showing the, the yardage rushers and all-purpose and uh, all purpose yardage and how that correlates to success. Uh, you're still about 2-1 to one odds, at least from the data that I have right now, that, that you want to have a guy that's above, above 5.0. Um, Jamal Williams measured below that. Uh, but it certainly doesn't mean that they can't be successful or can't be a role player in an offense. You, you're still going to have a guy that can come in and, and be big and explosive, which he is regardless of his overall score. Um, so you can have a role in an offense for that, even if you don't expect him to be a superstar. Good. We'll keep that in mind. And as far as running backs go, Aaron Jones, the fifth-round draft choice of the Green Bay Packers, seems to be at the other end of the spectrum, Is Williams, testing very well. But he's relatively small for a running back, a little over 5'9", a little over 200 pounds. Is there any reason to be alarmed by that at all? Not really. He has, he has plenty of athleticism to get by and, and to be a, a player in the NFL that, that can be impactful. Uh, what you're usually looking at when you're, when you're paying attention to a player's side is, size is how durable they are and how, how well built their frame is, which isn't something that we can really quantify in, in numbers yet. Um, but you're, you have a guy that comes in that's, that's fast, that's explosive, that, that can get downfield quickly. Yeah, that's that's valuable in the NFL, and if if it, size does become an issue, you generally just try to limit their snaps or limit the instances where they're going to take big hits. Sounds good to me. Um, offensive lineman Kofi Amici is another that tested exceedingly well. 
Uh, how likely is it that the Packers got a steal as late as the sixth round with a player like this? Your chances of getting a, a steal in the sixth round are never good. Uh, you know, the sixth round is not is not a very good spot to get great NFL talent, although it does happen every year. A couple of players, but Tom Brady. Certainly, if you're certainly if you're going to pick somebody out that you want to be impactful, taking a player that is an elite athlete at his position at a position where elite athleticism matters is, is going to help you out. Uh, guard was one of the surprising positions when I started my studies. I didn't expect athleticism to mean all that much for guards, but it's it's one of the the, the highest correlations that I have is, is between guards and NFL success. So taking a guy with that kind of athleticism, even though he's undersized, which I don't think the Packers care at all about undersized linemen, um, you know, taking that into account, that that's what you want to get in a, in a lineman. The Packers certainly paid attention to that. Three of their uh, undrafted free agents were uh, elite athletes or above-average athletes at guard, too. So it's something that they really want on that line. Yeah, I think height is you know less important on the interior of the offensive line as it would be more so at tackle or something like that. Um, Kent, is there any player among the Packers' undrafted rookies that stood out in your relative athletic scores? Yeah, the Packers had one of the best, just like they did with their draft class. They had one of the better undrafted free agent classes in terms of athleticism. Um, I mentioned there were three guards. I think two were in the elite range, and one was just above average for their measurements. Uh, they have a linebacker, Cody Hyman, that, that measured really well. He's also a very smart player. Um, so whenever you have athleticism and smarts, that's usually a good sign that a player can stick to a roster. Um, but those are the, the guys that I pay attention to, is those, those three undrafted guards that they brought in and, and Cody Hyman. Sounds good. We'll keep tabs on them. And, and then, Ken, finally here, before we let you go, as fate would have it, you're also a writer for prideofdetroit.com, the Lions blog for the SB Nation Network. So as a division rival of the Packers, how much do you think the Lions were helped by their draft class this year? They think a different approach than the Packers. The Packers clearly went for upside with all of their picks. The Lions went more for utility, going with that, that New England Patriots approach, as, as all of the former Patriots GMs do. Um, but they, they drafted for need for several of their positions. That's why a lot of the post-draft stuff, you hear them talking about reaches and stuff. They're, they're trying to fill roles for guys that they need. They have a very depleted defense, but they took a guy that they really needed in Jared Davis uh, to plug up the middle of their defense. They took Keith Tabor in the second to help with their secondary you know, they took a pass rushing uh, defensive tackle in the sixth round to help to help in in that area. Um, they they really went for guys that fit specific roles rather than just pushing for upside. So, I'm I'm hopeful for it as you are every year with the draft class. We'll see what happens, and maybe we'll have to bring it back on during the season when the Packers are ready to play the Lions. But Kent, thank you so much for joining us and sharing your insight on uh, your Raz scores and all of that. We will make sure to send our listeners there. So thanks much, and uh, keep up the good work, all right? Thank you, sir. Have a great day. Thank you. Take care. Kent Lee Platt, creator of RelativeAthleticScores.com. Seriously, folks, go check out the website. There's lots. Of, you can pull up player cards and, and see, you know, compare uh, Packers, you know, rookies to player veterans, uh, players from years past, uh, how whatever you want to do. You can go check that stuff out there, RelativeAthleticScores.com. Check it out. On with the show. What the hell's going on out here? I'll try to tell you, Vince, in our Packers news segment. The Green Bay Packers on Monday made quite a few roster moves. 
They released two players and signed five, bringing their roster total to the full complement of 90 players, or at least it will be 90 when they officially sign the remaining five draft choices. The first of the two players the Packers released was long snapper Tabor Pepper, which made sense from the perspective that it was fine for the carry the Packers to carry two long snappers before the NFL draft. They had a chance to for basically three weeks to watch these two players uh, during the offseason program. Both participated in last weekend's rookie minicamp, and they could figure out which one was better and which one deserved to get all the snaps, not just half of them moving forward. Uh, so the Packers cut one long snapper, uh, opening up a roster spot for a position player, which seems more important now that you know the rookies are in and you've got a full roster and better to look at more players at those positions. So that leaves Derek Hart as the only long snapper on the team's roster. But as we talked about last episode, Brett Goode is still out there in their back pocket if they need one. Uh, still a free agent at this time, but you know if, if Hart doesn't work out, if he were to get injured, whatever it may be, Packers could still sign Hart, or really they could go back and sign Pepper if they wanted to, um, if he's still on the market. And last I saw, he hasn't been picked up yet. Um, the other player the Packers released was wide receiver Antoine Goodley. The notable aspect of which was he was waived with an injury designation, although no information on the nature of the injury was shared. When Goodley was injured, is anyone's guess right now, seeing as nothing has been published on it, he was on the team's practice squad last season. It's possible he was injured during the team's offseason program, but that's just speculation at this point. That's all I can really offer on it. Goodley was a former player from the University of Baylor, uh, a rookie last season. Um, certainly, uh, I was all about the Packers giving him a chance on the team. He was a good player in college football, uh, but uh, I have nothing. I, I can only speculate on the nature of the injury and how that might be impacting him. But anyway, those two releases opened the door for the Packers to sign five players all of whom came in on a tryout at the team's rookie minicamp this past weekend. Perhaps the most interesting name of the group was running back William Stanback, who becomes the fifth rookie running back the Packers have added this offseason. That's a lot of rookie running backs for one team. But obviously they needed some depth at the position after releasing both Don Jackson and Kristen Michael and James Starks this offseason. As for the background on Standback, he was originally enrolled at Central Florida and was part of a team that won the Fiesta Bowl his freshman season. So, you know, pretty good team, played at a pretty high level. And he actually is notable for making SportsCenter's top 10 plays after running over a Rutgers defender that kind of went viral or kind of got played a, got a lot of play on television, etc., etc. Also, also went viral on the internet as, you know, it goes to YouTube and kind of gets shared a lot on social media and things like that. Unfortunately for Stanback, 
He was kicked off the UCF football team for failing multiple drug tests, and he transferred down a level to Division II Virginia Union, where he found quite a bit of success his senior season, rushing for more than 1,300 yards and being being part of a uh, being a pretty good receiver out of the backfield. Um, he's a big boy at six foot zero and two hundred and thirty pounds, so it'll be interesting to watch him as he competes in a crowded backfield in Green Bay. And you know, being so big, it it, it kind of reminds you a little bit of you know the Packers lost Eddie Lacy in the offseason and kind of replacing him here with with a big back and. Devontae Mays is a really big back as well. And, you know, I think all these guys are going to get, you know, really, even even though he was a tryout player signed to a contract, I think he'll get, you know, pretty much a, a equal opportunity as all these rookie running backs the Packers bringing in, all five of them going to get an equal shot. The Packers are just going to find out which guy is most ready here to contribute in the most ways possible, who's Who's the most well-rounded? Who's not going to be a liability for us when we put them out on the field? So obviously they have to be able to run the football, but they're also looking for the guy who's the reliable receiver, who's the reliable blocker, because you're you know going to be protecting protecting one of the biggest investments in the entire NFL in Aaron Rodgers. So you better be capable at that and willing at that. Uh, if you're going to be out on the football field. So I think Stanback will get a chance at that. And, and you know, I, I mentioned earlier he was kicked off the UCF football team for failing multiple drug tests. And, you know, the good news is there was an article published in, I believe it was a New York newspaper, New Jersey newspaper. Pardon me for not remembering where precisely. Uh, but he seems to have turned his life around. He, he was very, very humble, and it seems sincere to me. Uh, some, you know, with some players, you know, who have off-season, off, off, off-field troubles, it a lot of times it's it's kind of hard to judge sincerity of, you know, they made mistakes and and feel bad for their actions. You you really get the idea reading this article that that stand back knew he made a mistake and was punished for it and accepted it. And, you know, at least, you know, with, with the drug problem, you know, those those kind of things are the thing that only hurt yourself. At least he's not out there or didn't, you know, wasn't out there hurting others or anything like that. And I think he just realized, you know, even I, it was never reported what drugs he used. But, I mean, if it's something like marijuana, you know, something that's becoming increasingly more accepted in society and legalized in many places, maybe that's a relatively minor thing. And um, just realizing that, you know, uh, despite it being increasingly more accepted, it's still something that broke rules and it was hurting his chances of making a living as a professional football player. And he kind of, it seems like he's seen the light and going to be like, well, you know, <laughs> if I want to, if I want the potential to make millions, I better stop doing this, uh, which seems a good thing for a player like Stanback and uh, who's on the fence to begin with. But yeah, he, he was probably the most interesting story I found out of all these players. Uh, the rest of the players the Packers added were on defense. One of them is Ray Sean Pringle of Southern Utah, who played both running back and wide receiver in college, 
But the interesting thing about him is that the Packers have him listed as a defensive back. So they're going to try yet another conversion project with Pringle. Yeah, his last name is Pringle. Uh, so that's kind of cool alone for that aspect. Um, but, you know, they already have some conversion projects on the roster, like the cornerback from Miami last year uh, that converted from wide receiver to cornerback as well. So Pringle will probably be the rawest of any player on the roster now, uh, but the Packers must have saw something in him to think that they that they think is worth developing. So uh, we'll monitor that. The other defensive back the Packers added was Ball State's Aaron Taylor, so a MAC product, a Division One player. You might remember that was the player Nathan Yonke of ProFootballFocus.com mentioned on last Friday's show as one of the more interesting players the of the tryout players the Packers were bringing in, someone that lined up all over the secondary, so hopefully he'll bring that versatility uh, to the Green Bay Packers. Uh, they also signed outside linebacker Josh Latulier Sanoa of Cal Poly, uh, yes, a nice Polynesian name here that's uh, hard to pronounce and even harder to spell with a silent G in there somewhere. Uh, he was an under-the-radar signing as someone that didn't put up huge numbers at the FCS level of football, but he does, however, step into a position that might be the most uncertain of any on the Packers roster, with a lot of young players at outside linebacker and unsure where Clay Matthews is going to line up. So at least Latulier Sanoa has that going for him. And then finally, the Packers added inside linebacker David Talley of Grand Valley State. He made 285 tackles, 30.5 for them for a loss in his career. That's what I know about David Talley. And uh, there you go. There's a little bit, at least, on all five of the new uh, tryout players that were signed to contracts by the Green Bay Packers earlier this week. So wanted to share as much on them as I could as we monitor their careers and wait for them to uh, get to OTAs, organized team activities, where we can actually see them on a football field. And that's now less than two weeks away. So not too long, and those practices will be open to the public. In other Packers news, probably the most other, besides signings here, transaction, the other biggest notable piece that I have this coming from the past, you know, 48 hours since our last episode, we learned Packers executive Brian Gutekunst interviewed for the open general manager job for the Buffalo Bills this past week but didn't get it as they hired Brandon Bean. But this is now the second general manager opening that Gutekunst has interviewed for this offseason. The San Francisco 49ers was the other one before they hired John Lynch. So the Packers will retain Gutekunst, but you could view this as it's only a matter of time before he gets an opportunity to run his own team, or at least that's the way it's looking right now. Uh, based upon how much interest he's gotten in just one offseason as a front office executive for the Green Bay Packers and who knows, maybe soon getting an opportunity with his own team. But uh, next segment. 
the day ahead. We are in a little bit of a lull as the rookies have left Green Bay temporarily. They'll be back next week. And the off-season program isn't open to the media currently, so we're not learning much about the veterans right now. But I do have this coming up. So on Thursday, May 11th, the Green Bay Packers are holding a job fair as they seek game day employees. The Packers are looking for workers in the guest services and security departments. So if you're interested or know someone that is, the job fair will be held in the 5th floor terrace suites in the south end zone of Lambeau Field. So go to the Shopco gate and take the elevator up. Interviews will be conducted at the job fair. I imagine they'll have you fill out an application as well. But, you know, on as far as things I can see on the on the immediate horizon for the Green Bay Packers, this is one of the few right now. We'll have a lot more coming up as, like I said, practices will be open to the public soon, uh, just a little over a week away. And we can talk about things like that coming up instead of minor little job fairs. But, hey, if you're interested in working for the Packers, getting a check from the Green Bay Packers, uh, game day, uh, game day employees they're looking for. So pretty much every games, in, including you know like uh, they host the the family night every year, things like that. If you're open on a lot of Sundays, want some extra cash? There you go. You can work for the Green Bay Packers or tell someone that is. And that does it for today's episode of Railbird Central. Thank you everybody so much for joining us this morning. Here on the show, thank you to Kent Lee Platt of RelativeAthleticScores.com for being our guest. And uh, we already got our next guest lined up. We've got Brett, Brett McCormick uh, of uh, Rock Hill, South Carolina, joining us to talk about one of the Packers' undrafted rookies, Monte Crockett, a wide receiver. He talked to him uh, in the run-up to the NFL draft. Uh, as as kind of an interesting story, he uh, Crockett grew up in South Carolina, and 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 McCormick uh, interviewed him. He's got an interesting story about him. We're gonna learn all more about Monte Crockett on Friday's episode of Railbird Central. And I should mention we're gonna we're gonna try something new on Friday, and it may be temporary. I'm gonna see what what happens here and see where this goes. I think we're going to start the show. Uh, typically, Railbird Central airs at 8.30 a.m. Central Time, right? Uh, the live edition of the show. I'm going to try starting it about 15 minutes earlier on Friday, uh, 8.15 a.m., uh, just because uh, my work schedule is not allowing me to to go quite as late in the day. I've, I've got things to do for work, and so... That's what's necessitating it. I'm not sure this is going to be a full-time thing. We're going to find out, see how it works, and I'm going to assess things. Uh, those of you who listen to the podcasted version of the show, it's not going to affect you at all. Um, but those of you who listen to the live edition, we're going 15 minutes earlier on Friday and see how it works out. So we'll talk to Brett McCormick on uh, on Friday and uh Looking forward to it. See you, folks. Have a good Wednesday. We'll talk to you in just two days from now. Uh, 
On behalf of everybody at Cheesehead TV, I'm Brian Caribou. I leave you today with a song called Bolly Munster by the String Cheese Incident on Psy Fidelity Records. See you later, everyone. Go Pack Go.